mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bible with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Chapter 12, we're going to take just another pause. I know we've did the uh, Christmas message. Just another slight pause to kind of ring in the new year. Uh, we have just a couple days left. This is the 27th, so I guess there's four days left of this year. And I always like to remind people, I do not believe in New Year's resolutions. Not that they are evil, but I do not believe in New Year's resolutions because I believe in everything that we're doing and being sanctified in Christ. It's a new life resolution. We resolve to be led by the Spirit. If God shows you something that needs to be done in your life, it doesn't have to be done in the new year. Just like celebrating Christmas. We celebrate Christ's birth all year long. We celebrate Jesus every day of the year for the rest of eternity because it's all about Him. So I don't encourage New Year's resolutions, but I do encourage you if there's something in your life that's not in balance with God, to begin to get ready. So at this time of year, what we want to do is say, wait a minute, let's take inventory. I want to look back on what's been going on and then look ahead to what God wants me to do. So uh, does anybody remember, I do a saying every year, just a habit I've been doing for many, many years. Does anybody remember the saying for 2020. Don't look in your Bible. You should have been chewing on this all year. It's like memory verses. Uh-oh, I see people jump away from their Bibles. Look in your Bibles. The pastor told me not to look in my Bible. Listen, grace aplenty in 2020. Now think about this. After 2020 has lasted three years now, how would we know that that should be? I mean, I, I really sometimes feel like God gives me a little word there. Grace of plenty in 2020. We really needed grace of plenty in 2020. The way we've had COVID-19. We're going to have COVID-20, COVID-21, COVID-22. If we st They're just going to keep using this fear to control us. And make no mistake, people are getting sick. But we need grace. Look at everything that's happened in 2020. We have, we have uh, so much going on other than COVID. We had the shutdowns because of COVID. From the greatest economy ever to the worst economy ever in the United States. All in 2020. All in a few days. We have one world government stealing the election in America in 2020. Now, and it really exposes the fact of how long they've been cheating an election, how long they've been rigging these elections, but just slowly and slightly. But they went all out this year because they've seen that COVID has given them a chance to completely take over on the earth, 
to completely take over. And so then you see all of this going on in 2020. What, what, I mean, think about that for a minute. What is it that you think of when you think 2020? You people who wear glasses. 2020 vision. Think about it happening all in the year 2020. When God has given us eyes to see and ears to hear what He would say to the church. And then in the year 2020, He exposes all of this stuff. And you're supposed to be able to see it. Unless, of course, you're an enemy of the cross. And you're under strong delusion. And you don't see what's going on. Very important things that we understand here is that God wants us to know what is going on on the planet. He wants us to know where to go for help. See, and, and if you look with me, our text is going to be Hebrews, but look with me in John chapter 1. I've got about three texts I want to look at before we get to Hebrews. Remember, that's who makes coffee. Women aren't very good at it. It's a joke. You got, listen, listen. You can't even say Hebrews anymore. You got to say just brew because they're canceling he. They're canceling the he culture. You can't say man or he. So it's just, we're turning the book of brew with me. It's canceled. No, I'm sorry. That's a terrible joke. Listen, John 1. Now, what was going on when Jesus came the first time? Think about this. All eyes were looking for the Messiah. The Jewish nation knew that it was the fullness of time. And there were those who seen Him. There were those who knew it was Him. And there were those that followed Him. They were, became His disciples. But there was also, as a larger point, the whole nation of Israel that rejected Him. They didn't like what he was saying. It didn't fit their flesh. It didn't fit their ideal of things. It didn't, it didn't line up with what they wanted to do and what their delusion was leading them to do. So watch this in chapter 1. Let's look at the third day of this book already. It's verse 35. Again, it says the next day, and this is the third day if you followed the text from chapter 1. 1. John, this is John the Baptist. Remember, John means the Lord is gracious. He stood there with two of his disciples. Notice they're following John the Baptist. These are disciples that are following John the Baptist. Watch. And looking, verse 36, this is going to be our word for today. Looking at Jesus as he walked. Walk is always on how you're living, but literally he was walking by them. He said, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. See, they're all looking for the Lamb of God. They're all looking for the Messiah. And here John, the, God's grace, the Lord is gracious, says, Here is the Lamb of God. But he said it to a couple of his disciples. He was instructing them. He was trying to get their eyes off of him and onto the Lamb of God. Where to properly look at. You would think that would be hard for us today in our churches because we want people to follow us. See, he was giving his disciples. He was pointing them in the right direction and giving them to another leader. And he said, look at them. Look, the Lamb of God looking at Jesus. Oh, by the way. By the way. The saying for 2021 is looking to the Son in 2021. S-O-N, the Son of God. Looking 
to the Son in 2021? See, because the answer has never changed. What's the question? Where does our help come from? Who is our deliverer? What is God's provision? Where should we be pointing people? Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So looking to the Son in 2021. John, and it, listen, John is a type of us. We're supposed to be voices in the wilderness crying, make straight the way of the Lord. We're supposed to be pointing other people to the light of the world, to the Lamb of God. And we're supposed to be getting them to look at the Lamb of God. 37, two of his disciples heard him speak. Listen, they heard Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And what did they do next? They followed Jesus. Listen, when people hear us speak, does it cause them to want to follow Jesus? Are we pointing in the right place? Are we looking in the right direction? Then Jesus turned. See, once Jesus said, hey, they're drawing near to me. Let me draw near to them. And seeing them following, you know, following means to be in the way with. He said to them, what do you seek? See, this is the question that Jesus will ask you. You come to church. You do the things you do. Somebody points you to the Savior, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the provision of God. And then you begin to draw near to Him. He draws near to you. But what's He going to do? He's going to say, what are you looking for? Are you looking for stuff? Are you, are, are you looking for a Savior? What are you looking for in Christ? Where are you looking? Whom do you, where does your help come from? These are important questions to the person of God, to the church gatherer, or the one who goes to church. What are you seeking? Are you seeking salvation? Are you seeking stuff? Are you seeking some American dream? Are you seeking in church to win and influence friends? Or are you seeking... To be purified and to become like the Most High God as a child of God. Are you seeking that freedom that comes from salvation? He says to them, but listen to how they answer. This is a good one. Listen to what they said to him. Teacher, Rabbi, where are you staying? What? Where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. Listen, where's Jesus? Jesus is from heaven. His house is in heaven. His abode is from heaven. Where are you staying? He says, come and see. Keep drawing near. Come and see my house. Keep searching. They came and saw where he was staying, and then they remained with him that day. Now, it was about the 10th hour. This is in the Roman uh, clock. One of the, verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And then what happened when Simon come to Jesus? Notice the witness, though. Notice what Andrew did. So you don't see a lot about Andrew, but Andrew actually goes out and tells his brother, who becomes the rock, the stone, the, the, one of the unofficial leaders in the church. He actually goes and witnesses to him. Hey, hey, 
Because everybody's looking for something. And the nation of Israel was looking for their Messiah. And they said, we found him. That was the witness. Have you found Jesus? See, because that's the only thing we should be looking for is Jesus. We should be looking to the Son in 2021. And when Peter comes, it's the second part here of 42. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Little chip off the old block. So, where are you looking? Who are you looking for? Do you believe the report? Are you being a witness? These are important things. Are you coming to find out where his house is, where he's staying at? That's the first text with our looking to the sun in 2021. The second one is because we now know it's Titus 2, 13, 2, Titus 2. We now know you and I down the corridors of time, some 2,000 years offset, you and I know that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Christ, that He did live 33 years and then went to a cross and He died. And then He rose again on the third day. And then He came and spent 40 days speaking to His disciples pertaining to the things of the kingdom of God. And then He ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And He's coming back to take the chosen home. And that time is drawing near. And many people now, listen, many people now are saying, man, that time is drawing near. Man, the rapture could happen at any time. Listen, most of the nation, if not the, the predominant part of it, still are looking for a Messiah. They rejected Jesus. In fact, John... 543 says, Jesus speaking to the Jewish leaders, I have come in my Father's name, and you have not received me. But one will come in his own name, and you will receive him. So many people right now are being geared up, watching the world, watching the lying signs and wonders, being convinced that there's fear out there, and there's danger out there, and you need a Savior out there. And if you're not already looking to Jesus in 2021, you're going to believe them and look to their answer which is a false messiah, it's an antichrist. You have to know where your help comes from already so that you're not led away by the other voices, the other answers, the other cures like a, a vaccine that would take care of all the fear of COVID. Let's all take a vaccine. Let's all listen to a one world leader so we're all doing the same thing at once. Really? And it all looks like a Savior. But really, that is what we're called to do. But the devil is mimicking it. We're all called to the one Savior who died for all of us. And we're all supposed to be listening to His voice. Then my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. But they're setting us up for lying signs and wonders to follow another voice altogether as one which is against Christ. Instead of Christ, anti-Christ, as you know him. So who will you be looking to when the government offers help? When a one world leader offers help and says, this is what we have to do. Who will you follow? Will you be led by the Spirit of God as a child of God? Or will you listen to the government or the world leaders or the fear? Which voice? 
Who will you be looking to in 2021? I'm going to be looking to the Son, the Son of God, the Messiah of God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I'm going to keep looking in the same place I've been looking. And maybe your eyes wonder sometimes. And maybe sometimes you need to put on some glasses. That's the Bible. How do I know I'm following the Son? Get in the Word, prayer, and fellowship. Confess your sins. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. This is not because you have a perfect walk and you never stumble. This is so that you can have perfect vision and see and hear what God is doing in your life. Looking to the Son in 2021. Now that we know, look what he says to Titus. Paul said to Titus, who was on the island of Crete. We've been to these verses. There's no new verses for you. 66 books by 40 authors. If it's new, it's not from God. And if it's from God, it's not new. He's the Ancient of Days. It's forever settled. Look at this. It's Titus 2.11. Since we know it's happened. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation, deliverance from the sin nature, has appeared to all men. He's made himself manifest. Teaching, this is what he's doing, teaching us that. What is he teaching us? What's Jesus, Jesus teaching us after we come to salvation? To deny ungodliness. Obey him. Deny ungodliness. Look to him. If you're looking to Him, you're not going to live in ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly. Where's our minds? Are we drunk with the world? Are we drunk looking at other things? Are we drunk in our minds looking at the things that are all over the place? I don't, I don't know where you're looking. I'm going to be looking to the sun in 2021. Where are you looking? Because that's going to decide whether you're sober or drunk with the things of this world. We should live soberly, righteously, that can only happen in Christ, and godly in the present age, looking. See this? Looking to the Son in 2021. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice Paul's doctrine wasn't messed up. He knew he was our great God, and he knew he was our Savior in the flesh, who gave himself for us. On the cross, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. He's redeeming us. And then do what, Greg? Purify for himself. See, we're supposed to be moving, growing, being purified by the word through the water. There's a washing and cleansing going on as we look to the sun, as we draw near. And he's purifying for himself his own special people who are zealous for good works why are we looking to jesus because he purifies us why are we drawing near why do we understand that he's our blessed hope what are we doing in all of this as we as we remind ourselves that he redeemed us look what it said he's purifying us to do what to do his work zealous for good works and it says again speak these things exhort rebuke with all authority, let no one despise you. So where are you looking? Are you being purified? See, we have this gospel going on today in the church that's just say a prayer and you're okay. 
But this text here says we're supposed to be looking in a specific direction. Why? Because we're supposed to be learning to live soberly. Because we're looking for Jesus. And He is our righteousness. And why is He purifying us? Why did He redeem us? So that we would do the work of the ministry. And that is the redemption of souls. That's telling others. That's being a witness as John was. That's not being a church where we're trying to draw men to us. That's not being a church where we're trying to draw men into Harvest Chapel. We want people to be drawn to Jesus. See, John the Baptist later said, I must decrease that he might increase. See, we're just the witness to the one who saves, to the one who redeemed, to one who is, we're looking forward to his glorious appearing. And as we're looking to the Son in 2021, he purifies us and makes us more like him. Unless our eyes have spiritual glaucoma and we're looking in the wrong place. Let's just do one more. No, let's do two more. Okay, 2 Peter. We've been in 2 Peter how many times now? In the last few weeks, I think I've did this verse every week in the last, this is be the third time, I guess I should say. 2 Peter 3. I don't even think I marked it, did I? I did not mark it. 2 Peter 3. Because this day is coming soon. 2 Peter 3, 10. But the day of the Lord, the judgment of God, the judgment of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Listen, if it's not good works for Christ, they're going to be burned up. Everything's going to be burned up. All the works of men, all the works of the Antichrist, all the works of one world government. If it's not Christ, it's going to be burned up with fire. It's going to be purified through fire. He's a consuming fire. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, listen to me, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? How should we be living? Look, he answers it, verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God urging it on, speeding it up, but we're looking to the sun in 2021. Because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, this is us, we is always, we are, you are, these are always your identity. According to his promise, look, that's where we're looking. We're looking. We know there's a future and a hope for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Ain't that going to be amazing? When the new Jerusalem, you're getting ready to read about it in, in Revelation. And then let's do one more. The book of Jude. The book of Jude. The book of Judas. Jesus is half-brother, but he went by Jude because Judas has such a ugly connotation especially if he's associated with jesus in those days maybe in this day anybody know anybody that's got a son named judas think about it i don't know any judases there might be some i don't know any so jude is talking about the creeps that have crept in unnoticed and they've marked out long ago in their condemnation 
is already set, but they come into the church and they come in in the fellowships and they begin to be spots in their love feasts. And they're deceiving people. They're called apostates. They're not following. We're going to be looking at Jude 16. There's only one chapter, so 1.16. And it tells you what their nature is. Here's the, here's the apostate's nature. They are grumblers, complainers. How do they live? They're walking according to their own desires, their own lust. And they mouth great swelling words. Why? Because they're flattering people to gain advantage. See, they're trying to gain those people for themselves, not pointing them as John the Baptist did to Jesus, who is the Savior. And so there's a contrast here, verse 17. But you, beloved, little born-again ones, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, those that were sent forth, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust or desires. These are sensual persons. We actually get our word psychology from that word sensual there. Who cause divisions. They don't have the spirit. And if you don't have the spirit, you are not God's. Because the, 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 the people of God have the seal of God, which is the Spirit of God, and let everyone who names the name of God depart from iniquity. And listen again to verse 20, but, contrast, you beloved, they don't have the Spirit, but you beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Everything that we do is by faith. What do you start with? Praying in the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit for guidance as you pray at the throne of grace. And here's our part. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Put yourself in the place of the love of God. Put yourself in the word, prayer, and fellowship. Keep yourself in the love of God. You, you can't do it without the Spirit of God, but you have a direction to look at. And he says here, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You keep looking to the Son in 2021. See, there's no new answer. This has always been the answer. Looking unto God's provision for life. And searching it out. Finding it out and walking in it. Don't listen to the grumblers and complainers who's walking according to their desires. Building theirs. But look to walk in the Spirit and encourage others to pursue the mercy of God. See, that's how we're saved is by the mercy of God. Oh, it's the grace of God through faith. It's a gift of God, not as works like many men should boast. But in Titus, he tells us we are saved because of his mercy. His mercy. He sits on a throne of grace, meeting out mercy. Mercy. Because, see, mercy is not getting what we deserve. We deserve death, and he gave us mercy. And then on top of that, by grace... He gave us what we don't deserve, which is salvation. We're in His family. He adopted us. We can cry, Abba, Father. What grace is this that He would not only not kill His enemy, but He would bring goodwill and peace toward all men and the greatest gift ever given like we learned last week. And He would say, just open it. Just enjoy it. Just look to the sun in 2021 and every other day 
and enjoy this grace and mercy that's been given you because it's not in your strength. It's not in your power. It's not in your might. It's because of the righteousness that you've already been given that you can go out and do these things. You can live. You can walk. You can breathe. You can be a witness of Jesus Christ looking looking for the mercy. Keep yourself in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion. Notice this, you have, to, you have to make a distinction. You have to make a judgment. You have to be led by the Spirit. Some people you have compassion on. You have mercy back to them because we're, we're, we're vessels of mercy. But others, he says, save, deliver them with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. See, sometimes you have to tell people, listen, living like that is not godliness. Living like that is a lie. Living like that is a deception. You're looking to the wrong place. You're looking to your own desires, your own flesh. You're looking to draw people to yourselves as opposed to looking to be a witness and give testimony of the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So there's some that we have compassion and go, oh, no, 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 you're mistaken. No, 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 wait a minute. Here's the mercy of God that this is a... But when they come and they, and, and they act like they're in authority and they're deceiving, then you have to save them with fear. And, and there's a difference that we have to use. Then he says, as he closes in his benediction of this letter, now to him, to God, who is able to keep you from stumbling. Look at this. You keep yourself in the love of God. You put yourself in the place of blessing, but God is able to keep you from stumbling. He's already given you His full righteousness and to present you faultless. Think about that for a minute. Because of Christ's righteousness, we're going to be presented to the Father faultless. The gavel will come down and say, not guilty, but not because of what we have done, but because of what He has done. Before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen and amen. Amen. Looking to the Son in 2021. Getting things in proper perspective because the voices out there in all the concourses and in the marketplaces is wanting you to look to them. They're wanting you to be concerned more about covid more about gender neutrality, more about the economy, more about the things that are going on with social justice in the streets and discrimination, things that, don't even, that aren't even true. They want you to be concerned with what they're telling you is climate change and what the next disaster is going to be and where the trouble is at and who's going to save you. And they want you to be focused on them, looking to them, and that they would be the ones where your help comes from. But we know as the people of God, that's a lie. We know that the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. So whatever they're telling you is under the sway, no matter how true it sounds. Oh, COVID's going to kill everybody. We've got to take the vaccine. No matter how true it sounds. Yes, but all the professional doctors and the people that know, they're saying no matter how good it sounds, it's still underneath the sway of the wicked one. But the planet, it's going to fall apart if we don't start recycling. It's still under the sway of the wicked one. 
But you've got to understand that there's more than one or more than two genders. The planet is still underneath the sway of the wicked one. Listen, they don't even believe in anything except for evolution. And you want to believe them about everything else? If you're a Christian and you're looking to the sun, then you know that he created it. And without him, nothing was created. In fact, there's the first words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created. And if you can't get past that and believe that, then you got a real problem with your Christian walk. And if you do believe that, then there should be no problem. You should understand that anybody that's trying to tell you evolution is true is deceived by the wicked one and underneath his sway. So you cannot believe anything else they say. Or at least at best, you have to consider it trash until it works out in the gospel and lines up. So with all of that, and that as an introduction, looking to the sun in 2021, let's look now to Hebrews 12 and read with me, one verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking, there it is, looking unto Jesus, that's the place of your faith, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have not for, have you, excuse me, and you have forgotten, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live for they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present but painful nevertheless afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Let's pray. Father, we know that in our Christian walk, we should be looking to the sun. And all the more remind us to look to the sun in 2021. Your provision for the sin nature, your truth, your word, your life. You are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord Jesus. Help us to look to you in 2021. Help us to understand now the race that has been set before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 12.1. Now, now notice Hebrews 12.1 follows Hebrews 11. 
That's good, isn't it? Chapter 12 follows 11. Somebody's got their counting down. But what is 11? 11 is the Hall of Faith chapter. What is 11? 11 is all of the people who are witnessing to you and me. Therefore, we cannot discard the Old Testament because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And what do we see from the text of chapter 11? All of the Old Testament saints who look forward to God's provision and they followed God by faith. They believe God by faith. And listen, God didn't fail them. Oh, they, they were cut in half. Oh, they were, they were thrown in lion's dens. Oh, there was a lot of things that happened in their life. But God was always there. God was always bringing them through it. That God was building endurance and patience in their life. God was building faith in their life. God was teaching them how to walk, where to look. Where did they keep their eyes at? Looking to God's provision that was coming in the future at the cross of Calvary. They looked forward to the cross and didn't even know it was a cross. We look back and now we know it was a tree. That the Lord Jesus decorated with His body, the light of the world. The greatest gift ever given. We know what God's salvation is. And so all of those became witnesses and testimonies that went through it, got past it, and now they're in heaven with God. They were at Abraham's bosom, but when Jesus got up out of the grave, some 500 saints got up and were running around and they recognized them. And to be absent from the body becomes present with the Lord. Since we know who He is and where He's seated now. So it says this in 12.1. Therefore we also, this is a huge transition word. We is you and me, the church, the future. Paul looking at the nation of Israel. Because there's so many. See, I believe Paul wrote this book. You can gather from my language. And he was writing to saints who were getting ready to go back to the law, go back to the Jewish nation, because they got kicked out of all of their history of the Jewish nation when they joined Christ, when they believed in Christ. And he's writing to them to convince them not to cast away such a great salvation because there's no other Savior coming. To keep looking to the, the Christ child. To keep looking to the, the, the person of Jesus Christ. Not the child, the man who's coming back. And he says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, martyrs. This is the Greek word for martyrs. Remember Acts 1.8, you and I, Jesus said to them when they questioned about things that didn't concern them, times and seasons. And he said... But you shall receive power to be witnesses. Same word, martyrs. It's one who dies for their faith. Just like the Old Testament saints did. They died in their faith. They died for their faith. They died looking forward to the Christ coming, the Messiah of God. And he says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud... All the Old Testament saints, all the Old Testament testimonies, all the Old Testament witnesses of how to live and how not to live, all the examples of testimony. He says, since we're surrounded by this, let us, us is we, since we, now us, see he's included in it, you're included in it, down the corridors of time, lay aside every weight 
and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Quickly, do you see the word race? That word is in the Bible four times. And it's never about a tribe of people. It's always about running a race. Race does not exist. Race is a word that the world has made up to divide you. Salvation is to unite you. Listen, race does not exist in the Bible. There's tribes, there's different people, there's different nations and nationalities. But there is no race. There's one race, the human race. And that's not even mentioned in the Bible. But it says in Acts 17, I believe, that He made us all from one blood. Because the blood that you have is the most important. The blood of Jesus. That's the most important thing in the body of Christ. So what is weight? we got to lay aside this stuff. Hey, I don't know if you ever watch track and field or if you ever thought, I'll take up jogging this year. It's a new year, and I think I'll try to lose some weight, and I'm going to take up jogging. So what did you do when you took up jogging? You went to the refrigerator, and you put some this in this pocket, and you put some over in the cupboard. You got some zingers and some donuts, and you put all of these things in your pocket. And you're trying to lose some weight. You're trying to get in condition. You're trying to run a race. And you started putting all this stuff. Oh, You ever see Steve Martin? You guys remember that, the jerk? And he says, I don't need anything else. But, you know, give me this. I don't need anything else. And we start thinking we need something other than Jesus. And what God wants us to do is to lay aside every other weight or encumbrance, anything that would get in the way of us reaching the mark, the goal of looking unto Jesus. What is in your vision? What is in your way? Who are you trusting in? Some of it, it might be your spouse. Who are you trusting in? It could be your education. What are you looking at that's an encumbrance to the Word of God, the truth of God, the way of God? It might be your job. It might be the government and their truth about COVID. The CDC, that's a really good title. What's it mean? Center for Disease and... Ah. I didn't know that until you started talking. Then I go, oh, yeah, I remember kind of. Because we give everything acronyms and we make them sound real important. Didn't they, didn't they give Fauci some medal? Some award? Huh? Oh, yeah, they took Christmas Eve and gave it to Fauci. That's what they did this year. That's what the world does. They made December 24th Fauci Day. Did anybody hear that? Wasn't it the Democrats that did that? Washington did that. I think they made December 24th Fauci Day. So now, instead of all of us going to bed and putting cookies out and, and waiting for Jesus, His birthday, that's a whole other story. Isn't it? I should have talked about that last week, how we all wait for Santa instead of Jesus. We're all looking for Santa to bring us gifts instead of looking for Jesus. Anyway, now we just go to bed and we wait for Fauci. He's going to save us all. And I don't even mean to demean the guy, but he's part of it. It's kind of like when the pastor is not pushing people to Jesus and he's drawing them to him. It, I mean, all you have to do is speak up. You don't have to be a rock star pastor. If people are worshiping you, tell them their eyes are in the wrong place. And then it's upon them. Just like John the Baptist said, 
And you know, later in that text, that when I was talking about that with John the Baptist, later he's, he's baptizing in Anon, and they go, Hey, hey, John, come here. And his disciples go, Dude's over baptizing more than you are. And the text tells us that Jesus never baptized anybody, but it was his disciples that were doing the baptizing. And John didn't get mad and go over, Dude, dude, I was proclaiming you, and you're baptizing more than me. You're taking over. He said, I must decrease that they might increase. He understood who they were supposed to be looking at. Do you understand who you're supposed to be looking at? Or are you so caught up and enamored in this flesh that all you do is look at the world? All you do is look at the government. All you do is look at your bank account. All you do is look at the things that are tangible instead of looking to the sun in 2021. Listen, we need to lay aside the weight. What is hindering you? Is it the TV? What is hindering you? Is it that you think you have something you can give to God? There's a lot of things that become, can become weights. But all you have to do is look at track and field. Let me see what it says. Wait. Listen to this. A mass as bending or bulging by its load. It's a burden, a hindrance to running the race. Now, it's not necessarily a sin, it's not necessarily in the Bible, thou shall not steal. But it can come from covetousness. It can come when the, the Bible says, thou shall not covet. And then it gives a whole list of things you shouldn't covet. And then we live in an America that's got commercials and TV and all of this that, that, that just mesmerizes you. Am I the only one that goes to the deodorant aisle and goes, I want to go home? Because there's just too many choices. You guys don't do that? I went to the cracker aisle this year. To the cracker. Something as simple as a cracker. And I was just going to get me some Cheez-Its. You know them little Cheez-Its? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Now there's 35 different flavors of Cheez-Its? And I've got to search the aisles just to find Cheez-Its? They've got all kinds of them. And they're probably good, but why do we have so... It's, it's, I think it's designed to satisfy your flesh, but at the same time, it confuses you in your decision when you have so many decisions. Why does the devil sow so many gods and so many ways and so many paths and so many truths and so many ideas that get in the way of the one and only place we're supposed to be looking so that you go and you go, oh, who knows? We do know. We do know this book has stood the test of times. You can't destroy it. You can't get rid of it. You can try to change it, but it still speaks louder than before. That's because he's a real God. And you cannot destroy his witness and his testimony. And you become that witness and testimony if you lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares besets you, King James. It's so easy. Isn't it so easy? You're like, I'm living for Jesus. I've been doing good. And bam! And all of a sudden you just, you go, how did that happen? Forgive me, Lord God, but where in the world did that come from? How could I just start talking bad about them? How could I just start thinking that thought? Because we're unrighteous. We're sinners. 
Only the saving grace of Jesus Christ will change that and purify us. We're never going to be perfect. We're going to carry this sin around with us until the day of Christ Jesus. He says, I will complete the work I started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. He doesn't say until you're perfected. He said until the day of Christ Jesus. Because we're going to be like this. He's going to keep completing, keep perfecting until the day we see him face to face. Isn't that amazing that Chuck has seen him face to face, Chuck Head? I know we grieve. I know we cry. I know we miss him. I come through town this morning, and so often we would be coming to the light at the same time, and I glanced to see if Chuck was coming. It's normal, but it breaks my heart at the same time. But you know, there's a part of me that says it's not fair that I would sure like to be there in the presence of Jesus. But we always look at it from the wrong side of the, of the coin. We're like, oh no, I'm afraid to die. He died. Oh, I miss him. And we're so selfish in that. And rightfully so. We're flesh. But the preacher in Ecclesiastes said that we're supposed to rejoice at one's death. And we're supposed to cry when another one's born. Notice how upside down we've got it. We rejoice with birth and cry in death. That's because of our flesh that's so weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Doesn't make it wrong. I'm just telling you that it doesn't make it right to live only in the flesh when we know the future and that one day we'll see him. So we're not supposed to grieve as others grieve, as if we have no hope. So lay aside the weight. You see anybody out there running track and field? You see anybody out there doing any sport? With a bunch of weight on him. What is that dude doing out there? He's running down the field waiting to catch the football. And he's dragging a dumbbell with him. No, 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 no. They condition themselves in the gym. And they make all the uniforms aerodynamic now. Because they know the stuff that hinders them on the field. They're getting way too good at it. Because when they hit somebody in football nowadays... I don't watch it because they're a bunch of bums, but I'm just telling you as an analogy, I do not watch football unless it's high school football because they're all taking the knee and nobody's standing. But notice their uniforms, better, making them faster, more dynamic. And then they have to say, you can't hit the quarterback. Quarterback's got flags now. You just grab his flag. Don't hit him. He's a franchise player. I digress. And the sin. Sin, remember that? Sin can be just unbelief. I just don't believe God's going to protect me. I just don't believe that God has all the answers. I just don't believe that God thought of that. I just don't believe. So i got to listen a little bit to the CDC. i got to listen a little bit to the government and the president. And i got to see what they're saying. Listen, if they're saying anything that doesn't line up with the word of God, it's evil. It's from the pit of hell. Which so easily ensnares is the new King James. It's beset in the King James. It means, um, listen, a, a competition thwarting a racer in every direction. See, the enemy's coming in from every direction. There's sin coming from every direction trying to thwart your race from running a race to win. 
And it has to be looking to Jesus. That's where we're getting here. The only way to do it is in His power, His might, according to His example, for His glory. Not our strength, not our power, not our might, not for our glory, not for us to be lifted up, but that we might lead all men to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and deliver them to Him, not us. Run with endurance. Hupomino. That's a constancy. See, so many people, they take off in this race for Christ and they run as fast as they can for three months and then they're dead and they lay down. No longer faithful. They just lay down. And then they rest up and rest up and they reflect on it and then they get up and they run for three more months fast as they can. You can't win, you can't win races like that. You have to run with the proper endurance, a constancy, according to the gifts, according to the power, according to the grace that God has given you. You can't run like somebody else because you see them running real fast. They're at a different place in their walk. They're at a different calling. It's a personal relationship. And if you keep finding yourself wearing out, oh, I have no strength. I can't keep doing this. Then maybe you ought to ask yourself, am I doing stuff that I shouldn't do? Or am I doing it in my own strength? Am I doing it for the wrong reasons? Now, I believe that even a man of God or a woman of God that's doing everything right can actually get tired at times, but it's only going to be for a small season if you're doing it with the Spirit of God. God still stretches your endurance, and He'll allow you to get tired doing the things that you're supposed to do. But it's only to condition you for the next thing that's coming. He doesn't do it to make you so wore out that you stop reading, to so wore out that you stop going to church, so wore out that you stop doing what He's called you to do. He wants you to get better at it, to practice at it, to have a constancy in it so that it grows fruit in your life. So you have to run at a pace that's just like a child. Think about it when a child is being trained and they're just beginning to walk. And, and they can't run across the room and jump off the wall and do a flip. But wait till they become about 13, they'll be able to do that and, and run really good. But they've practiced it. They begin to go at their pace and they learn that falling down hurts. And I need to figure out how to stay up on my balance. Stumbling can damage me. So it's all the same thing in a spiritual walk. And if that kid, I mean, how many times have you seen a kid that just goes, I'm going to make it. And they turn loose and they take off running. Where do they end up at? Because they don't have anything to hold them up. But kids do that a lot. It's actually cute. till they start crying and they think. They, and then somebody comes along and lovingly picks them up. And says, now you learn that you just can't let go and run real fast. You got to stay looking to the sun in 2021. You can't run at any time not looking at his face, not looking for his favor. In fact, when you look in the scriptures and you're trying to get rid of the weight, you're trying to get rid of the sin, you're trying to get rid of that which so easily besets you, just do the natural. Just confess you're a sinner. Just humble yourself and get into the word prayer and fellowship and as you do that the power of God will do the rest it's that simple the power of God will change the desires of your heart change the habits of your life and move you into a race with consistency your part is to keep yourself in the love of God 
Your part is to keep before God in the word, prayer, and fellowship. And listen, not think, I got this, because you've never got this. Paul didn't have it. Paul wrote three quarters of the New Testament, and he said, I haven't finished, I haven't attained. Why is it that we think we've always attained? I got this, I don't need to listen to what Greg's saying. It ain't what Greg's saying, it's what the Word of God is saying. So your first problem is, is that you're in the flesh if you think it's about what Greg's saying. We come to be equipped from the Spirit of God. And if God tells you to run with endurance and to lay aside the weight in the sin, then the only person that can do it for you is God. You have to look to His power, His might, His strength, and surrender to what He's doing, and run at His pace, and trust that He puts the other people in your life that helps you run the race with endurance. We're in the same race together. And we all should be looking to the sun in 2021. 2020, 2022, however many days we have left. The place we look never changes. We fix our eyes on Jesus because He is the forerunner. Or what verse 2 says here. You know, the word, just quickly, the word race there is just an analogy because it actually means fight also. And Paul uses words like this all the time because it, it might work better if you were thinking about a fight. Maybe you know what it means to be conditioned for a fight because there's a great battle going on, a spiritual battle. So that word can be translated as a fight, but we're just calling it a race in this text. Two, looking. Is this our context today? Is this the message you're finding out? Looking to the Son in 2021. Looking unto Jesus. Why? Because He's the author He's the chief, he's the leader, he's the captain, he's the prince of our faith, and he's the finisher of our faith. He's the one that completes you to perfection. Again, Philippians 1.6. But notice that it's about our faith. See, because all sin is really unbelief. It's all about trusting God, having faith in God, running for God by faith. Everything about this life is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you first must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, who keep themselves in the love of God, who allow the Spirit of God to build hoopamony in their life and a consistency in what they're doing. Listen, there's going to be times in this race, in it while you're in the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship, that you're going to stumble. You're going to mess up. That's just part of running a race. Even the best racers can be running, and they crash the car. They fall down on the track. They pull a hamstring. They get sick and can't show up. But you don't change what you're doing. You stay looking to Jesus. You stay in the Word of God, prayer and fellowship. These are the tenets of the faith that grow us in the gospel and tell us where to go and in whose strength and what to say when we're there. So we're looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the originator. He's the one that gives us what? The best witness. See, the hall of faith is all of these guys that trusted God. But what did Jesus do? He came and trusted God even to the point of death on a cross. 
These other guys just trusted God for provision while they walked. Oh, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Huh? And they trusted for that. But he didn't say, I was going to kill you on a cross. Even though they had to endure. Even though they had to go through lots of things. Even though they had to trust. But who is the author and the finisher that they were looking to by faith? Who is the one who is the perfect witness, the perfect testimony, the perfect follower of the Father's plan, who want to learn perfection because he obeyed the plan of the cross? He's the greatest witness of all in all of these things. He is the faith. Without him, there is no hall of faith. Without him, there is no Old Testament. He holds it all together. So we want to see him as the greatest witness. Oh, yeah, Abraham was great, and so was Daniel, and so was David, and so, but Christ, he's the author and the finisher. And look what it says of him who, for the joy that was set before him. Are you kidding me? The cross was joy? He endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. Are you kidding me? It was joy? See, this is why his other brother, James, who we haven't touched upon today, camel knees, can say, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that it is for the perfecting of your faith. Jesus knew that. He counted it. He thought forward. He knew on the other side afterwards after he obeyed God, after he completed it, it is finished, the author and the finisher, after he said it is finished on the cross, that afterwards, all who look upon him, those in the Old Testament looking forward, us in the New Testament looking back, would be able to be brought back by faith into right relationship with the Father and defeat the work of darkness of the devil. Defeat it. Destroy it. Annihilate it. Render it useless to those who will obey by faith. To those who will look to Jesus by faith. Notice faith has a place where it attaches. Because all over the place you see people going, have faith. Oh, just have faith. There's only one place to place your faith. If you place it in me, I'll fail you. If you place it in your parent, they'll fail you. If you place your trust in other people, listen to me. They will fail you, but Christ will never fail you. Even when it seems like, where are you at? You're not showing up, God. He's not failing you. He's doing the best for you as a parent and he's not doing what you might want, but he's doing what you need to perfect you, to complete you, to finish you. You know, think about him on the cross when he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Think about that for a minute. Count it all joy. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The Father and the Spirit was finishing the work of the cross. And on the other side... We see that he wasn't forsaken. He rose again on the third day. He defeated death. He brought you and me salvation. He brought us back into the present. Whomsoever will believe it, in fact, can be a child of God 
and can have the perspective to look to Jesus. Doesn't mean your life is going to be perfect, but it does mean it's being perfected. He endured this. He despised the shame and he sat down and there's only one seat in heaven at the right hand of the throne of God. There's only one throne there. You figure out what it means. I don't know what it means. They're all sitting on the same throne because there's only one God and there's only one throne. And then it says, for consider him. Listen, you're thinking, oh my goodness. Listen, you can consider him. You can think of him. You can look to him. Which means to consider attentively. Which means to discern clearly when you're looking to Jesus. But consider means to contemplate. To estimate. Consider him who endured such hostility. King James is such contradiction. Think about that. Think about that. The word is contradiction instead of hostility. Because here's the guy that's going to save you. And and, and mankind gives him such a contradicting way of treating him. Sinners treated him in such a spiteful way when he came to save us. It's a contradiction in terms. Consider him who endured such contradiction from sinners against himself. He allowed that because he was God. He could have stopped that. Lest you become wearied, past tense, in the King James, and discouraged, faint, in the King James, Lest you become weary and faint in your soul, your mind, uh, King James. It means your emotions. So you can go, this is going on, and look what's going on. And I'm trying to trust God, but there's COVID. I'm trying to trust God, but the bank account's wearing out. I'm trying to trust God, but they're saying, I'm trying to trust God, but... And if you don't keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus and know that he's the perfecter of your faith, that he's the one that's working it out, he's the one to trust in, even when it's not going the way you want in your race, that he's still under control of this. He's still the place to look. Nobody else is the place to look unless he tells you to look to them. Unless he tells you to go to them. Don't look to them. Trust in God alone. Even in wearisome, even in a place of fainting. What is it? Galatians 6, 9 that says, Do not uh, grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. Same word again for mind here. If you do not lose heart. You have not yet, now this is a really interesting verse, you have not yet resisted. So in other words, you're supposed to be resisting. Resisting what? Resisting sin, resisting the weight, resisting the things that would keep you from looking to Jesus. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Oh, so you're supposed to resist. You're supposed to strive against sin. Oh, no, I already said a prayer. I can do what I want. I'm covered in the blood. 
No, we're supposed to be being purified. We're supposed to be looking to obey. We're supposed to be striving against and resisting the flow of this world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. We're supposed to be looking to learn to be Christ-like and be a witness that's faithful to point people to Jesus. Even when we're wearied, even when we're faint, isn't that what it says? What does it say in Isaiah? Is it 55, 11? Anybody know that scripture? Even youths grow weary and faint. <laughs> but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up on wings like eagles, like eagles, y'all. And they shall run and not grow weary, and they shall walk and not faint, or something of that nature. You might look that verse up and make it your homework. I should know it, and it just popped into my head. Because of the weariness and the feigning. We have not yet resisted as Christ did to bloodshed. He gave his blood. He resisted. Remember in the garden? Is there any way? Take this from me. He resisted to his blood being poured out to pay for sin. He strived against sin to death. Verse 5 says, this is the reason, and you have forgotten the exhortation. See, when you become weary and faint and you're discouraged in your soul and you're not looking to Jesus and you're looking for other answers, it's in unbelief because you're discouraged in your soul and you have forgotten that bad things happen to everybody on the planet. But when it happens to you, God is using it to grow you and train you and teach you and build endurance in your life. Oh, that's not what it said. I'm sorry. It quotes this proverb, uh, Proverb uh, 3, 11, and 12. <laughs> that's interesting where that's at. Go read that, if you will, where it's located at in chapter 3. It's really interesting. I never thought of that till just then. We'll talk about it later. You have forgotten the exhortation, the urging, which speaks to you as to sons. The Word of God speaking to us as His children because we can hear His voice. My son and my daughter, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. You know that Christ took our chastening. He took our stripes. He took our curse. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? See, listen, all of us are going to have some punishment sometimes. We're going to go to the woodshed. There's going to be chastisement. Some stuff in our life, he is saying here, comes because of chastisement to build endurance, to grow our faith, to get us to run in a straighter course. Now, not everything's like that. Sometimes you just reap in what you sow. It rains and shines on the just and the unjust. But in this, Christ took our chastisement. He took our punishment. And that's how he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. He learned it for us as an example to you and I, to be a witness, the greatest witness of faith to you and I. But look what he says in verse 8. But there's again a contrasting statement. If you are without chastening, you don't have any, no correction in your life, 
of which all have become partakers. He doesn't mean all the people in the world. He means all the people that are the sons of God, the children of God. All in God's family are partakers of this. Then you are illegitimate and you're not a child at all of God. If you don't have any correction in that way. Now, what is, what is chastisement? It's very important that we know this. And I know you're growing weary already of my many words. But see, chastisement speaks of a word just like us training our children because God's training His children. Chastisement or chastening uh, means tutorage, edu- education, training. It implies the disciplining and training and correction or instruction of a child. In fact, the word uh, that comes from the word uh, chasten, which is to train a child up and to educate them by discipline or punishment. That is why God tells us to train our children in the way that they should go. That when they do the wrong thing, there's going to be chastisement because the best love teaches their heart not to do that because it's damaging. And as you teach their heart, they grow up with a heart to know authority and to know what to do and what not to do. So God does train us and teach us and educate us through trials and suffering. And if you're without that training, if you're not learning from that training, he's going to go on and tell us why. Look, furthermore, we have all had human fathers who corrected us. See, the Holy Spirit convicts and corrects us. It chastises us. And we paid them respect. And we should pay our human fathers respect. That's the first sign of the lack of authority and lack of respect in our communities. It's even listed in Romans 1 against one of the things, against the sons of disobedience, is dishonoring parents. Not much more readily, oh, excuse me, how much shall we not much more readily? Shouldn't we be ready to obey God and be subject to God? The Father of spirits and live to have life? That's what he's saying. See, because most of the time we we would obey our parents. We would listen to them. They would correct us. We might not have liked it. But shouldn't we be quicker and more ready and say, wait a minute, I want to live like God. I want to be like Christ. I want to grow. I want to run this race with endurance. I want to reach and get across the finish line and be glorified. Shouldn't I be ready for correction? Shouldn't I be ready to obey what God says? Shouldn't our conduct be looking to Him? And then He explains that for they, earthly fathers, for they indeed for a few days while we were in their care and being trained, chastened us as seemed best. See, He gives them, that's pretty light on Him, isn't it? Because if you've been a father, you know how bad we can be, how terrible of a father we can be, how we parent only so you will not interrupt our time, how we live that way as parents. Where, oh, you're interrupting me, so I'm going to chastise you and spank you. It seemed best at the time, but it really had nothing to do with the condition of the heart. But God does it for our profit so that we would prosper. He does it for our profit. What? What profit? That we might be partakers of His holiness. 
See, positionally we're holy because God is holy. But practically we're supposed to be sanctified, running a race, laying aside the weight and the sin so easily ensnares us, and learning to obey righteousness, to follow right living, and become in our heart deciding freely to follow the truth. Not becoming discouraged and wearied and and, and going back to our base nature and following what we want to do. But learning to be trained to decide to follow Jesus. Look to Him in 2021. Look to the Son and learn to follow and let your heart be trained so you can be partakers of His holiness. So that others will see a witness of a changed life and come to salvation by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11 will help us understand Christ's joy and our joy. Now, transition, no chastening, no punishment, no chastisement, no spanking seems to be joyful for the present. When you're going through it, listen. Why? But Christ was going through the cross and he counted it joy because he knew what was going to happen on the other side. So when you're going through something in life, if you look to God by faith and know that he is the one that's growing you, training you, teaching you, educating you, he's, he's allowing you to become a partaker in his holiness. When you look at it and count it that way, that on the other side of this pain, on the other side of this suffering, on the other side of these It's going to do what, Greg? It's painful right now, but I can count it joy because afterward, on the other side, it yields, it produces peaceable fruit of righteousness. Well, what does the peaceable fruit of righteousness look like? It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It looks like holiness. It looks like godliness. It looks like righteousness. It looks like Christ. To those who have been trained by it. Listen. Only if you're trained by it. How sad it is when I meet people that say every job they've ever had, their boss was terrible. Even the Christian ones. Listen, you're supposed to be trained by these stains. You're the witness there. You're not looking at them. You're looking to Jesus. You're the one that's supposed to be trained. You're going to go to job, to job, to job and have the same situation because God's dealing with you as a son, you as a child, not them. Leave their relationship to them. But I did. Listen, don't don't make the excuse. Look to be trained by the situation. But I just lost my trained by the situation. God knew it. God ordained it. God allowed it. Maybe it was your fault. Maybe it was this fault. But God is allowing you to go through it. And if you do it on your own or with somebody else and leave God out, it might destroy you. But if you do it with God and look to be educated and trained as a child of God and how to walk through it, you can later counsel somebody else about it and say God is faithful in it and I'm being perfected and I no longer have unbelief. I believe but help my unbelief, but now I'm growing in faith going, you know what, God's got me through so much, He's taken me through so much and it doesn't matter what it is, He's going to get me to the other side because He's promised us He would complete the work in us until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you trust Him? 
Do you trust him? Look at verse 12. It's not our text. We're going to read it and be done. Therefore, because of all that, because we're supposed to go through chastisement if we're the children of God, because we're supposed to look to Jesus, we're supposed to walk by faith, we're running a race, strengthen the hands which hang down. you got to strengthen them in Christ. And the feeble knees. My knees hurt. But he's talking about spiritual knees. And make straight paths for your feet. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge God. And what will he do? He will make your path straight. You have to look to his provision. You have to look, be looking to the sun in 2021. Now is more a time than ever before. We've been talking about enduring. We've been talking about uh, when would that happen? Do not be deceived. Now more than ever, in this influx of evil, in this chaos and corruption and fear, you have to make sure you're in the throne room and meeting with God or you will be deceived. You will not be able to strengthen your hands for His work. They'll be hanging down like, I'm weary and discouraged. My knees are feeble. You won't have straight paths. You'll be choosing this and then that, then this. Then you'll be going all over the place, bouncing around with who you believe and who you don't believe. But you have to have them strengthen and make straight paths for your feet. Why? So that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. See, God has brought us into wholeness. He's healing us. And then he says, pursue peace with all people. And holiness. Where have you been pursuing? Without which no one will see the Lord. Oh, there's our word again. Looking carefully. Looking carefully. Lest anyone fall short. This is the beware and look diligently is what this word means. It's a different word than looking to Jesus. But you better beware. You better be careful. Because you can fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble. Ooh, bitterness? Yeah. Yeah, if you don't understand that chastisement comes from God, and sometimes He uses it to train you and teach you, then you say, I went through this, and the dog that bit me, and I'm bitter about it. Where was God? He didn't help me in it. And it springs up, and it's going to cause you trouble, and you're going to become defiled in it. Lest their bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. You guys remember that? Jacob and Esau? He didn't care nothing about the things of God. God didn't ever do nothing for him. And just because he thought, I want to die if I don't get a bowl of soup. He sold out for the stuff. And God made good on it. God said, okay, you sold out for this stuff. Esau I have hated, but Jacob I have loved. Because he knew the end of Esau's life. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, change of direction, change of mind, change of where you're looking at for help. Though he sought it diligently with tears. Where are you looking at today? Who are you looking at? Where does your help come from? Listen, no matter what comes on the landscape, 
even the Antichrist in present, even the angel of light, no matter what it is, our eyes should always be fixed on Jesus. He is where our help comes from. He is the one that God sent to save us and to deliver us back into his presence, into his house for his glory for such a time as this. Looking to the sun in 2021. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for your provision. The greatest gift ever given. May we look no further. We have found the one, the Messiah, the Lamb of God. Because of God's grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord. May we point all to you as a witness in how we live, how we go through chastisement, how we go through life. May we give testimony of your goodness and always be on the grow. In Jesus' name, for his glory. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I